Hey, this is Bill, and welcome to another episode of Combustible. This episode is actually the second part of an interview we did with Todd Edwards that we'd been planning for quite a while. Georgia weather being pretty damned unpredictable, the morning we were set to record, Todd couldn't get to us from where he lives other than by phone. If by chance you haven't listened to the first part of this interview, go back and listen to that one now, because this one pretty much picks up where we left off last time. So, here's part two of our interview with Todd Edwards. You grew up in the fire service. Uh, this was your life. You made a lifestyle out of it. The people who are disconnected, can we teach that? Can we train that? Can we foster that? What, from your experiences, what about those? Because the ones that are on fire for the fire service, that, that's what they're going to be. And they, they, mm-hmm. they get the speed bump in the road, and it doesn't take it too long before they overcome that because they're just, this is their life. This is uh, their everyday life. So what do we... What about those that that are sitting Man, out there that I, you got to come across? The ones that go to your training because they were forced to go, not at will to go. Man, I, I want to expand my knowledge. What about those people? Is there something that we could be doing to impact them to? Yeah, I, I, I think they're, you know, I, I think one, one mistake we make is we have that guy who is, you know, six, seven years, whatever he's been on the on the job for. And he is, I hate this. I don't like this. You know, that's where, you know, that's why I love asking why. Because when you start asking that again, they, they don't really know why they're mad or they're not engaged or they're not into it or whatever. I always thought I would love to have had been the captain of a station where if you had a slug, send them to me. Send me your worst. Send me your slug. Send me the this most disgruntled guy. If you're around positivity, you get positive. You're around guys who are, are enthusiastic. You become enthusiastic. I have no, I, I firmly believe this, but we'll take that guy and he gets, and we label him because, you know, we don't really get a chance to know him. We don't, we don't take the time sometimes to get to know an individual. And you take that disgruntled guy, or that guy just not into it and start talking, you know, let, let me get to know you personally first. Then I can start figuring out what buttons to help push with you and then just surround that person all time with upbeat positivity about the job and the, and what we really do. I think we can, and I think we just push those guys to the side we put guys that need help into bad situations or with bad bosses and other bosses, you know, guys higher in the food chain, they need to learn how to recognize when they have poor leadership in their stations and they need to address that. I had captains that were a little weak when I first came up into the BC rank and by a constant religious message, everyday communication with those guys, those companies changed. They changed for the better just based on having some somebody positive and supportive versus, oh God, we're going to get rode up. Oh God, I was five seconds late. Oh God, I'm going to get a letter. Oh, I'm going to get reprimanded. And I think that snowballs, you know, we're talking about how you have stack effect on uh, line of duty death. You have stack effect on bad firemen and bad leadership too. If you're immersed in nothing but guys sitting around, you know, griping and moaning, you're going to become the next guy who's going to sit around and gripe and moan. And then you're going to be that guy who gets lucky and gets, you know, promotes up. And you're going to be that boss now, griping and moping. That's how we create that vicious circle that some, you know, some departments find themselves in or battalions or, you know, whatever the case may be. 
But, man, let's put that guy with somebody who's going to, you know, take the time. Uh, I had a firefighter temporarily assigned. Minute took took this firefighter almost a minute thirty to go mask, hood, helmet, gloves, air. A minute thirty. So we had it standardized at our company. Twenty eight seconds was the max time, and within two shifts, this person was at the thirty second, twenty eight second, twenty five second mark because that person was surrounded with somebody willing to work with them. Not just me, the guys. They they took on that role to make sure this person was up to our standards. So we've got to raise that bar for everybody. And that's, you know, that kind of leads off to about 10 other things. But maybe when we uh, raise the bar, that our guys will step up to it if we actually raise it. But if I leave the bar where, you know, hell, anybody can step over, that's where we're always going to be at. And you kind of answered this. I just want to make sure it's clear because one of the things that I find, and I, I'll get lost in the conversation just listening because I'm, I'm learning every time we do one of these podcasts, you know, it's it's easy to get engaged, but then it's hard to get engaged because you're just trying to soak all this information in. And I want to make sure nobody misses this. And it's been discussed a lot. So your low performer, you're putting him into a high performance house so they can have him or her step up. Is that what you would do? Are you going to take your look? The discussion has been had putting the low performers together in one place or putting a low performer with the high performer so they can be impacted. Yeah, I knew you were going to. Shane, uh, Todd. Do, do what we you, want to totally avoid this What right you now? don't know, Todd, is that Shane absolutely hates this subject. <laughs> He's making faces. It's a debate because, you know, if you, and I should frame it up, we'll go and we'll sit somewhere. We'll ask that question, let's say at a station. Hey, what do we do with this person? Well, don't send them to us. Don't mess up our house yeah, because what we, what we have going on. So, okay, so you want the problem to go somewhere. You want all the problem people together. Well, all those problem people just happen to be at the first due for your house. Okay, now it, it just impacted you. So nobody wants to be impacted by the t decision of what to do with those slow performers, the low performers. And you kind of hit it on the head where it's, Hey, why don't we all work to get that standard up for them and put that work into those individuals? And it seems like a lot don't want to take the ownership of doing that. It seems unachievable. Typically, they don't because it takes work. That's correct. And, and it kind of <laughs> kind of gets back to where I think you know Todd was making a good point on that. You know, when you think about Todd's uh, company, he was talking about, and it's clearly a group of high performers. But what's the percentage? in that department or on that shift or in that battalion that are just like him or just like them. I mean, are we talking about, you know, the theory is, is maybe you get 20% of your department that's going to be like that. Maybe you get a little more than that. I don't know that you do. I'm getting, mm -hmm. some, I'm getting some numbers thrown out there that are less than 20, but I, I guess Hatch is giving that, hand signals. Yeah, but that goes. That doesn't mean you shouldn't try. But I guess what I'm saying is, is you do get into a situation where you can't put all the low, low performers with Todd. Correct. And and let me say, because uh, I think Todd, you would be uh, outnumbered. Your time, you wouldn't have enough time. Not only that, I'll right. tell you what I found. And Todd, you said, do you, 
I don't know if I remember correctly, you were saying you weren't put in a position too often where you were having to do that, where you were having purposefully have a low performer sent to you to go, hey, let's send him to Todd. You know, like that's the best. No, I, wish, I wish. I wouldn't okay. take well, it. I, I would have no problem. I, I'd love taking a guy and spinning him around. I think they avoided you. <laughs> well, but, yeah, I had guys that wouldn't Hell, even work yeah. overtime was, on my shift. So here's a perspective. I had the same problem. Too high. A perspective on that part. Uh, we had a pretty high performing crew and they would send us people. And what I found that was difficult is that it became more difficult for us to shatter that ceiling and go to the next rung when we were constantly having to reset and bring this person up. And as soon as that person's up, they're out and then the next one's coming. So what ends up happening is, you know, that ceiling reach a certain level. It's like, Hey, we can't move past this right now. Cause every time it's almost like you are the training yard which is fantastic and there's a lot of good that goes along with that but then you it does put a ceiling on you sometimes where it's like all right we need to all get this person up to our par so when you're constantly working and you become that place where the refuge for the department go send them over there and you know those people don't want to be there i mean that mm -hmm. that's another difficulty in it they don't want to be there but if you are able to and you get them to start performing, like you said, hey, this is the standard <clears throat> at the station. This is what we do. This is our culture. For the most part, people are going to want to step up and, and a great percentage of that will do. But it, it definitely keeps that ceiling to a point where, all right, when can we continue on as a crew to climb when you continue to reset us by sending us this? So there's a, a luxury and an honor to go, man, that's fantastic that you're recognized for that. And then there's the other side of it to go, we need to grow past this. And you keep kind of bringing us to where we have to reset and bring this other person up. So that's just one of the things that I experienced that was a little bit difficult. Is it a good oh, for the sure. many or good for the few? I mean, I was, that's where I was thinking, like, yeah. I see what you're saying, but at some point you're probably somebody else is trying to make decisions to put these low performers with you because they know that, their performance is going to come up. It may not come up. But it's going to frustrate level, the crew to constantly yeah. have to be staying in this stagnant. I'm only going to keep going over the basics over and over again with new people all the time. They don't ever get mm -hmm. to move past right. and become the more advanced firefighter that they yeah, want to be. How many right. of those people that you got in there that were the low performers and you convert them and you make them into, uh, to go back to what I, I said in an earlier episode of, you know, you've got your killers, you, you make them into a killer. And they are that top-notch, they're part of your crew now, and they get sent off and you get sent another another underperformer. Are we underestimating the influence that that killer now has where they are? You've trained somebody who's now out in the department making more like that. God, you I know? hope not. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Well, I mean, but that's, you know, in, in saying that my company only gets to go to this level because we, we constantly are getting sent uh the the underperformer you i think you're underestimating the the impact that you've had throughout the department yes it is local at your station you are you've hit a ceiling as you put it pabell but your impact in the department is huge it's, because it's you greater. It, you are johnny appleseed you are sprinkling yeah great but when you're in groundhog day doing the same thing yeah, over that's and over correct again, you don't always I get know it. that so, it's frustrating i get so it. We'll, we'll take uh to todd he goes out and he has influence a great deal of influence and you're going out around the country training all these all these people to do things then those people go back to their departments and they'll hit that ceiling within their i'm just going to use something in an example and i don't want to go down this rabbit hole but when when 
vertical ventilation. Well, my department doesn't do it. I just went and took this great class uh, to do this, and now I can't apply that within my department. Then you have the ones that are, are showing up to this training. Yes, what Todd is doing for the masses is fantastic. There's going to be a great percentage of these people that will not perform to that level. So you invest a lot of yourself, and let's say two out of 10 people are going to go out there and be those killers. I get that, but there is an exhaustion that comes along with you putting that out constantly. The people in the greater percentage that, and Todd, correct me if I'm wrong, the greater percentage of the people that are going to some of these conferences, listen to the podcast, you're are going talking to talk about the top. That's correct. They're already the one. Those are the, those right. are the killers already. Right. When it's a different dynamic, when you are at that station life and you're getting that the projects that, that, those the constant projects. projects could be quite the kids need more it is a groundhog day yeah. i think you hit it on the head it's kind of a, a groundhog day and it's great in the beginning but there is a time where it could be quite taxing and you're going all right well you know there's there's a growth that needs to happen within your team and so, you need to go above so, that. so todd were you ever frustrated in that like no I know what the hell they're talking about. I was going to say, this <laughs> no, is what we well, did. No, we wait. take over. I thought he said he was, he was getting underperformers and turning them around. No, he said he always missed the chance, did. right? Yeah, he didn't have that. He didn't have that. So I would just say. No, what, when I got an underperformer, I didn't let it hold back my, my right. uh, like you're referring to him as killer. We would still do, we were always looking to excel, and we would drag sometimes that guy with us. But we, you know, it would be. It, it doubled a little bit of your workload where there's a little more one-on-one interaction or I would take, you know, that three-year guy say, mm, get this guy right on the basics. Just get him right first. And then we would continue on pushing ourselves forward at all times. I never let, just because I had an under, you know, an underperformer drag down three other members. Because remember, as the boss, my only responsibility every day was to those guys. That's, that was always my approach, not just the underperformer, but the entire company. If it meant doing a little bit extra that day to move those guys forward while getting this guy kind of caught up, then that's what we did. And I never got flustered by it because if it, it, what I tell guys at every class, uh, no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, I'm doing something in a local department or I'm sitting in classes listening to other guys, and, and most of the instructors will say this too, you're not going to take every single thing from a class. But God dang, if I pick up one thing, two things, three things, and I can apply them in some form, way, or aspect, I'm getting something out of my time, effort, and energy. I've had guys at classes that tell me they're only there because they have to be there. Oh, it's all our matrix. I have to take this class and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) No, those are the guys I I actually get excited about having there because I'm like, I'm going to flip this dude today. I'm going to flip this guy's mind today. So again, from and I can do that from as a boss at a firehouse or as an instructor. Let me flip this guy's mental thought process about this subject matter. And if he gets one or two things, maybe he'll go out and look again. Are we going to flip everybody in this job? Never. You're never going to flip them all. But for everyone you guys are producing, that guy may go out and produce another one or two, then another one or two, then another and you end up having that domino effect over the long term. Yeah. And yeah, it can be frustrating, but um, I mean, like I said, I I think as 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 leaders and and instructors and firefighters, 
there's never enough talent to me. You know, I, I, I just, there's not enough challenges out there sometimes. I, I want the challenges. I love having a class where I got a handful of folks I know, I know don't want to be there. I love those guys. Because at the end of most of those classes, you can see that, that light bulb even flip on, or, you know, and, and you're not flipping them all. But man, you flip two, maybe those two guys flip another two. Yeah. And then you have that effect down the road. You know, how many guys do you think all of you have influenced? Have you ever thought about how many guys you are influencing just with your podcast? Solid two or three. Yeah. yeah. We, we, know, <laughs> we know it's less well, than that's ten. three more guys than we had last year. How <laughs> yeah, about that? Yeah. <laughs> well, that goes back to the whole thing. Do you want to, you know, do you want to leave a legacy? You know, and the, and the people, how you have influenced them and what they go on to do, That that is your legacy. I mean, you have, you know, pretty storied legacy just in all the trainings that you uh, have accomplished and people that you uh, get in there. You know, I, I'm going to tell a little story on Todd. He has a superpower. I don't know if y'all know this. Oh. Uh, so Todd can be in a class and be like totally dogging out a company and they're in the room. But then he'll like turn to us like, oh, no, no, but I'm not talking about you guys because we were on that fire that one time and you did that one thing, whatever. So he's going to dog them out but then bring them back up again at the same time. And it is amazing. How did he do that? Yeah, yeah. It is awesome. It is really, really awesome. But sometimes, you know, do we, as bosses and instructors too, do we sugarcoat stuff sometimes? And do we sometimes go too extreme on the other side of the fence? And I, I think there's a there's a fine line where, you know, when we sugarcoat stuff, we're not we're not being honest. Sometimes you got to be honest with that guy, and sometimes something like that can flip a switch. Just you know, somebody telling them the truth and getting to look at things. Um, you know, the us and them debate. I love that debate because anybody who's always preaching it's firefighter safety first, I just want to slap that guy in the face, but I can't do that, so I show them the facts and you know get, you know one of the best things when you're teaching or, or you're leading somebody can't dispute the facts can't dispute numbers you know you go ask any you ask the majority of officers and chief officers around the country how many guys die in line duty every year the average answer i receive 100 killing 100 100 guys are getting killed every year then you show them the numbers and right. you explain to them how these numbers are really about. And you can do that with, why do we stretch hose this way? Well, let me show you why. Right. And amazing how little things. It doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing to flip a guy or, or to get a high, you know, low performer up a little bit. And hopefully, you know, again, end result, who knows? You may never know if you did anything for that guy. But maybe in the American Fire Service, after you send him to, that, to, to your house, and we've worked, and we've begged, and we've tried, and we've documented. Maybe we need to be a little, uh, a little less uh, nice. You know, the old uh, "be nice." Well, I won't be nice for a while, but after a year of being nice, then it's time to stop being nice and maybe get you being gone and move on to something else in your yeah. life because this ain't for you. Yeah, I'm a little more on the more direct side on most things, but. Uh funny stories a guy was had filled a test and i said well do you need me to go talk to him he's like yeah but don't talk to him like you talk to normal people i'm like i know how to turn it off <laughs> i know how to turn it off. i have an off button <laughs> <laughs> we haven't found hatchers yet he has an off button somewhere but his head. <laughs> I don't have to do it all 
It's in his hair. It's somewhere in his hair. That's why he can't find it. And he won't let nobody touch oh, it, so we're all screwed. <laughs> but, you know, you, you have a good point. I mean, it's a lot like being a farmer. Not all the seeds you plant are going to bear fruit, but you still plant mm-hmm. them. You know, yeah. and, and that's, yeah. that's, as an instructor, that's what you're doing. You're planting those seeds, hoping that it's going to take, you know, uh, root in somebody and it's going to spur them on to that, that next level for them, you know, igniting that fire within them to be that much better. You know, I used to use you as an example all the time talking to people. I'm like, who's going to be the next Todd? You know, Todd's going to yeah. retire. I, I do it all the time. I bring it up to people and like whoever they're looking up to and, and kind of using as a, you know, that's the guy that's doing this or this guy's in charge of this. Who's going to be the next one? Are you, what are you doing to prepare yourself for it? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think all of us, uh, and, you know, when you talk to guys out the country, for as many successes, you have probably five times more failure. You know, um, there's things that I've said and things I've done, and I was like, oh, gosh, I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that. And you learn from those things as well. You, know, you as a, as typically a learn more from officer. your failures than you do your successes. Just most people don't want to admit that. Yeah. Uh, most, yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I love doing is get guys to do uh, – you know, a personal kind of like their own uh, personal evaluation on themselves, and guys can struggle with that. But if you keep getting them to do it, you know, if you sat down right now and started listening at your strengths and weaknesses, and if you if you got a hell of a lot more strengths than you do weaknesses, you may need to reevaluate your list again. You know, because I guarantee all of us have probably more weaknesses that we need to be working towards and working on and getting better. And, um, you know, it's kind of like the listening skills, things like that. Just something simple sometimes. Uh, finding that off switch every now and then, no matter where it's buried at in your hair. Finding it, <laughs> turn it off, <laughs> and going to that next level. And, uh, you know, I, I, I struggle with that. I, one of the things, you know, I, I'm over-opinionated uh, at times. But I, see, I, I think it needs that. I mean, I think that's part of what is so engaging about, you know, going to your classes is it's not that cookie cutter straight from the book. It's a, it's opinionated. It's, it's you know, direct. It's in your face, you know, kind of, kind of teaching and instructing. And I think that a lot of instructors, you know, wish that they could have what, you know, you bring to the table a lot of times. I think every instructor has that ability. If they're, you know, that's why I say I get, so much out of what you know, not just from a learning aspect, but I, I've changed the way I do things based on watching guys like Mike Campo and Ray McCormack and, and you know uh, Shannon Stone and you know I've watched those guys and go man I got to be better than that I, I got to be better than what you know I'm doing right now and I, I I've got notes from this past week I'm like oh I got to change that and it's based on what I'm watching those guys do and and what they're teaching and their teaching styles are you know. You can always learn, but those, again, those are weaknesses that you know I've identified in the way I do things. So, yeah, I got to fix that. So I'm working on trying to write stuff now, and I've got a friend who's helping me because you know can't really write the way you speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So every time I start writing, I go, "Oh, that that makes you know makes sense to me." But then somebody reads it and asks me if I'm you know stupid, and I'm, "Oh yeah, I guess I am." Because look how this is written. <laughs> You yeah, can't, you can't have every third word being a cuss word, so you got to be a little more professional. In that. See, that's one of the things I'm bad at. I'm working on that. You I know, know, I know. You had said it's, one this whole time. I'm impressed. I'm trying to behave, <laughs> so I'm trying to be better at uh, my trainings. I've, I've pretty much cut out the big ones now. I've gotten better at that. I, you know, I, I still use. Uh, can, I, can I use one? Oh yeah. 
oh yeah uh so i taste shit a lot you know like right. are you shitting me and i will play you know so i'm replacing some of my bigger words and using you know easier you know gentler um explicit language <laughs> so staying on the, you know be better at that so staying on the topic of the training and the stuff that it's engaging you you're uh, recently involved in uh, teaching responders about responding with people with special needs could you tell us about how you got into that and how, how it's going yeah that's uh you, you know sometimes you just kind of fall into stuff and i kind of just fell into this uh, my wife uh, works for the National Down Syndrome Congress. And so I, I really didn't know anything. And it's just, just been, you know, six years now being around it. And I had no clue. I didn't even know what Down Syndrome was for the most part. And it's one of those words we used to use around all time that I just will not use now and, you know, starts with an R. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I assumed, you know, and I, and I had all these preconceived ideas about people and, the more I started being around at like conventions or events where people with Down syndrome are around, like we have no idea about, you know, who these people really are and their special talents and their gifts and their abilities. And so I went to a class um, and the guy was basically trying to sell big books to us, you know, to firefighters, you know, those books, you know, remember we have the three ring binders and all the fire trucks. Mm-hmm. And after about three months, half the pages were missing, and there'd be tobacco stains and coffee stains all over them. Well, that's what he was trying to sell. I thought, well, that's stupid. That's not going to work. And guy didn't have any firefighter background. So I took some classes. I went to a program through Ohio State University, and then you know, being around people and talking to people, I was like, wow, we really don't know what we're doing with people with special needs. And then my son is on the autism spectrum. So I had some, you know, some actual practical experience, you know, high functioning on the spectrum. But again, I had some encounters over the course of my career that became negative and it became negative due to not because the person with special needs, but our lack of understanding. And I got, uh, got to meet a lady, uh, where her son, um, was being restrained by police officers and ended up having his trachea broken and died. And it was solely based on lack of understanding and miscommunication. So the more I got into it, I started writing this program. And I realized the first time I sat down and started writing the program that it was becoming clinical. So I started going out and, uh, you know, we have a, a self-advocate group. I had to start asking them, what do you need from me? What do you need from firefighters? What do you need from police? And I was blown away by their responses and how open and honest one, uh, one of them is a teenager was right here in the uh, Metroland area. And, uh, she is just so well-spoken about what she expects from us. And it was, you know, it was great to, you know, very open and honest and sat down and I sat there, uh, with her and her mother and they explained everything that they needed and turned out to be this, what a lot of people needed and a very good friend of mine has a six-year-old son. He's six years old now. He has Down syndrome. He has been diagnosed with autism as well, and he's nonverbal. And talking to him, and he's a firefighter, and talking to him and the challenges he's faced. So the whole program really wasn't written by me at the end. When I look back at it now, it was really written by people with special needs. And, you know, we keep it short, direct, 
uh, it's not this big, long processing of, you know, technical information because our interactions with people are never under the best circumstances. They're under high stress situations and they're very short, but that short, intense moment that we're with them is so critical. And that's why I started teaching that class. So who so are you, great. who are you teaching it to? Uh, both firefighters and police officers. Uh, I've done a lot of departments in the, in the metro area. I've done some departments, obviously, you know, um, throughout the country now. And it's uh, the reception has been phenomenal. Uh, I'm always amazed of how many, how many of our firefighters throughout this country have been, you know, have direct relation, either a loved one or their sister's nephew, or they go to a church with this guy and their interactions. Uh, that they didn't even realize were uh, going on around them at times. And one of the guys I work with uh, in you know at the train division, he, he goes to a church and a um, young lady only remembers him by that's the bald guy. That's the bald guy. <laughs> and she's autistic, but you know he he you know it kind of was interesting when he was sitting through the class about those little things. Uh, the guys come up to me after the class say, "Wow, I I, I have this happen. I didn't know this is why." So. Yeah, that it's right. um, you know it's one of those things that it's it's well outside our norm because we don't have these encounters very often. But damn, when we have them, we better know what we're doing when we start having these communications. And some of the challenges we would face, uh, even on a, on a primary search, are going to be different at times as well. So yeah, that's what the program's really about, and uh, super excited. I'm going to be doing uh, in July uh, New Orleans Fire Department. Um, so I'm super excited about that. And so we're going, you know, uh, doing it at a conference coming up in, um, this summer as well up in Missouri. So it's very interesting how it's kind of developed and what's kind of been cool for me as an instructor is I'm, I get to learn something new all the time when I, when I go to convention, you know, it's the national down Central convention. Um, when I have interactions with firefighters, I have loved ones that have Down syndrome or autistic and what they've learned and they share that with me and I immediately just put in the program. Um, right. Department right here by my house. Uh, his 13-year-old son is autistic and he likes to wander at night and he has a very unique bed for his son and he, he sent me the pictures of his bed so I've added the pictures of his son's bed in my program because from a primary search, we would miss it. I guarantee we would miss it. Wow. Not thinking about it in those lines. Right. So, so if, yeah, it's always something new. If any of our listeners were interested in the program, how would they get more information? Or Yeah, it's real simple. Uh, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm a social media guy. So I'm on the book spaces and all those things. But the easiest way to contact me is the email, as far as I can send you information. And my email address is uh, real simple. It's Todd Edwards, the number six at Yahoo. Okay. And then I'm on uh, my Facebook. I have my personal page, you know, which is Todd Edwards. And then I run a training page called the drill yard. And so I post stuff on there so I can always be messaged uh, that way as well. And what's the program called? Breaking barriers, breaking barriers. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're, you know, that, that program's expanding. Uh, and we just did, uh, you know, we've done some pretty big departments in the metro area and I've done some of the smaller organizations and, uh, the feedback from the, from everybody that's attended, it's been really, really positive. And 
we're working on websites now. We'll, we'll just be constantly, after guys have gone through the program, they'll be able to get updates uh, of new things we learn and new challenges you may face uh, based on what other guys have been encountered. All right, we're going to shift gears here a little bit more. Uh, again, sure. for the listeners, you know, like I said, you know, you've been in the fire service for 30 years and you're always at busy houses. Uh, could you give them like one war story, like your favorite war story that you tell at dinner parties to scare all the ladies? <laughs> or maybe the men. I don't know who you're trying to scare, really. Yeah, uh, I guess you know, from you know, I, I always look at uh, because every every firefighter has those handful of fires they never ever ever forget. Um, the Cotton Mill fire with Matt Mosley, the helicopter rescue. Uh, I can remember from dispatch until we were back in the firehouse. Uh, truly, um, the scare is the only time I've ever actually felt like uh, this was it. This was going to be the end of uh, my entire life. I was a very young lieutenant. I'd been a lieutenant about a year and a half. But the time of that incident, it was my first day at that company um, when we had that fire. And it was just a, again, that domino, just everything was stacking against us. And we didn't even know it was stacking against us until I was running down the interior stairs with uh, his last guy off the floor. you hear the floor was collapsed behind us. And, uh, it's, it, it, that's that one. I did, it's always the one I always go to because it's the one that always sticks out in my head. And, um, it's, I, it'll never, I'll never forget that fire, no matter what. There's just, you know, I'm, I may not remember my name in a few years, but I will remember that <laughs> damn fire. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I've never been, um, that war story guy. If guys ask me, you know, I'll, I'll go into detail about fires, uh, but, the, you know, my favorite fires were the, you know, two story, the apartments where you make great stops. And, you know, all of us have had, you know, hundreds of the, you know, not hundreds, but we've all had bunches of those type of fires and, and all those. And then there's those fires that just don't leave you. Um, as a battalion chief, uh, I, I, I don't, I can count the number of fires that I, that I remember, you know, not because of anything negative, but the one that was the most negative, I almost killed an entire company based on what I didn't do. Mm. So I always look at those fires as well. So my, my war story is more about what I learned and what I could have did better and what I could have done better. Um, more than anything else, as far as, you know, all the other fires that, you know, I have great memories of so many great fires that, you know, where you're on the night, of course, being on the nozzle is the best thing ever. Yeah. There's nothing better. <laughs> I don't give a crap what the truck guys say. I disagree. Yeah. Hatch is shaking nothing his better than being on the knob, pushing down that hallway, trying to make that last push to get to those last two rooms. Nothing better. There's nothing better. Okay, 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 host jockey. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. <laughs> Definitely lost perspective now. So we, we have a list of questions here that we like to ask, uh, kind of in memory of uh, one of our, our, our good friends of the podcast, uh, Frank Martinez, who we lost uh, to cancer. So I'm going to kind of run down these pretty quick. Uh, what's your favorite word or phrase on the fire ground? Favorite? Yeah. We got water on the fire. Got water on the fire. What's your least favorite word or phrase on the fire ground? Be advised. <laughs> I don't really need to ask this one, but I'm going ahead and doing it. Engine or truck? Uh, no, I guess engine. Yeah. <laughs> it's engine all damn day. Uh, what motivates you? Firefighters. Firefighters motivate me. You know, young guys, senior guys, other officers. Those guys motivate. I mean, 
I can't overemphasize how much, you know, talking to those guys keeps me motivated. Awesome. Uh, what's your favorite book? You do read, right? I'm just kidding. I can read. Uh, you let that somebody <laughs> read to me by far. And I recommend this book. I actually have it even in one of my classes on team building is extreme ownership. Hands down. Best book. Any leader can read. We're familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what profession would you most want to do if you weren't a firefighter? Wow. Um, it would still be public safety. I'd probably be a cop. Oh, I couldn't imagine I just, that. Yeah. <laughs> I know I can't. I, I do and I don't. Uh, I would know at least. I would know not to park in front of the house at least. <laughs> uh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> You're hired. Yeah, right. <laughs> Could you go teach that in a class? Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you were being introduced as a keynote speaker at FDIC, what song would they introduce you with? Oh, uh, I'm a metal guy, so I, it'd, it'd be something with Metallica bass. It'd probably be like Enter the Sandman or. Uh, you know, for whom the bells toll, something like it. Have to be a Metallica song, though. No. All right, have to be heavy. Wouldn't well, be anything. Wouldn't be that sissy rock like Journey or anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at your retirement, you know, how did you want to be remembered? As somebody who actually gave a shit about the fire department and about the fire service. Yeah, I definitely think you accomplished that. Uh, yeah, that, that's always that's still my goal day. That, you know. You know, how, how do you do something if you don't care about it? Uh, I think they care about the paycheck sometimes more than they care about what they're doing. But I, mean, yeah, I, but I, I, like, making... your, I like your perspective better. You know, I, I don't. I, I get frustrated by those individuals. I, I would do uh, – hell, I'd go cross street right now for free and fight five. I mean, it's, you know, I, you know, pay was just, you know, to me the, the, the bonus of doing it for a full-time, you know, for a full-time job. That was just bonus money to me. That's just the bonus of being on it. Man, you're going to pay me to do this? Are you kidding me? This is incredible. I mean, that's how I've always looked at the it. Active fires after your retirement did go down. I'm not saying it's related. <laughs> I'm just saying that there is some documentation. Weird correlation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not causation, it's correlation. Yeah. Uh, if you could go back and give your rookie self one piece of advice, what would it be? Get education. I, I know there's a debate about that, but. Um, yeah, it's one of the, you know, when guys say, what do you regret? I regret not getting more education as a younger firefighter, uh, getting whether it's at conferences or, you know, actually higher education. You're and talking about like it, formal education, not necessarily, right? Yeah, both. Uh, really? I think okay. there should be a balance there. And it's one thing, you know, it hurt, you know, again, you know, when we're talking about weaknesses, that's, that's the weakness of mine when it comes to something that should be simple of writing an article. It's very difficult for me because I don't have that formal education. So it, it, sometimes it's a struggle when I'm doing things like that, just because of that. So, uh, Todd, you were you'd you'd want the education to better communicate. I'd want the education to both one for understanding. Okay. Uh, at times, there's some general understanding, some skill levels there. I think you know. I think I could be taught you know to write better, obviously, but. Um, I moved into a position at one time that I was woefully underqualified to be in because I didn't have the formal education. I didn't understand. I, I tried to run a section that had like 10 sections underneath it. I tried to run it like I was running a fire suit. And I, you know, a lot of missteps because I, you know, I was handed documents and flow charts and graphs. And I was like, what the hell is this? 
and I didn't know. I just didn't have that formal education to, that I could all you know fall back on. But then I've worked with guys with formal education that couldn't put out their assholes on fire. So there's got to be a balance there. <laughs> got to be a balance. Yeah, it happened to be that your driving was your uh, downfall. Ah, yeah, but I don't teach driving, so. <laughs> I know, I know. No, you said earlier you wouldn't be a driver, so I let, I let it go. But. I admitted that right out of the gate. You did, you did. That's proud of you. That's awesome. <laughs> right, hey, man, I can handle been... my own car, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very small car, too, I noticed. <laughs> hey, man, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I yes, really, really man, appreciate thanks. you coming on the show. Yep. Oh, no, I know me and you have spoken probably for a year about trying to do this, and between both of our crazy schedules, it's been a little hard. I regret not being there in the building with you guys, so uh, I'm still watching snow like crazy in North Georgia, so uh, you guys be extremely careful on your drive home this afternoon, too. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate the time. I I enjoyed it. I I always enjoyed this. Anytime anybody wants to sit around and talk about fire stuff, I'm always in. Yeah, again, any of our listeners, you know, if you have the opportunity to plug in and go to one of uh, Todd's presentations, no matter what it is, I'm telling you, you're absolutely going to have a blast. Uh, It will be one of the most entertaining classes that you'll ever uh, attend. So, again, you know, reach out to him on uh, Drill Yard on Facebook or Todd Edwards at Yahoo. Todd Edwards 6. Todd Edwards 6 at Yahoo. Yes, sir. Yahoo.com, you know, then let him know know, what uh, his upcoming events are going to be and where they're going to be in the the areas that you guys live in. He just said that he's going to be in uh, New Orleans. Uh, So if we have that's in the summer, uh, I'll be heading to Portland, which I'm just, I'm nervous. It's been a long time, so I've been nervous about doing a presentation, but I'm going to, uh, Firemanship conference in Portland, Oregon, at the end of the month, and um, literally, I don't think I've had my laptop off. You know, putting the final touches on my presentation. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm nervous about it because this, you know, it's such a big deal to be invited to that conference, and they only do invites. So there's no papers. There's no hey, I'd like to come. They literally have to call and invite you to present at this conference. That's awesome. So I'm way excited about doing that. And I'm out there with a bunch of guys I teach with all the time. But, you know, being a presenter for a thousand guys is always a challenge. I wish I could be there to heckle you. Yeah, (laughs) that'd be awesome. That would actually help. Yeah, yeah. This is more normal. (laughs) I don't feel like I'm being at home if someone's yelling or complaining about something. Uh, If anybody wants to reach out to us, we're at uh, info at combustiblepodcast.com uh, and you can reach us on Twitter at, uh, at Hatch at CTP at Bill CTP at A Shane CTP and at Troach CTP uh, appreciate y'all listening yeah thank you awesome